Here is a satirical tweet from Alyssa Milan. Sorry, not sorry. Milano not. My heart is exploding with love and admiration for this man who is willing to do what needed to be done, and that is to destroy Bernie Sanders' presidential run, to protect corporate greed, and to endorse blue rape for the good of women and little girls everywhere. Los Angeles Times. The U.S. is no stranger to interfering in the elections of other countries. This is from 2016. The U.S. has a long history of attempting to influence presidential elections in other countries. It's done so as many as 81 times between 1946 and 2000, according to a database amassed by political scientist Dove Levin of Carnegie Mellon University. That number doesn't include military coups and regime change efforts following the election of candidates the U.S. didn't like notably those in Iran, Guatemala, and Chile, nor does it include general assistance with the electoral process, such as election monitoring. Levin defines intervention as a costly act which is designed to determine the election results in favor of one of the two sides. These acts, carried out in secret two-thirds of the time, include funding the election campaigns of specific parties, disseminating misinformation or propaganda, training locals of only one side in various campaigning or get-out-the-vote techniques, helping one side design their campaign materials, making public pronouncements or threats in favor of or against a candidate, and providing or withdrawing foreign aid. So if the United States is willing to do this in other countries, why not in its own country? It's not as though the CIA cares more about working-class people than it does about its funders. Here's a 2017 article. Documents expose how U.S. government uses Hollywood to promote and propagandize. A vast swath of documents revealing the extent of U.S. government influence in Hollywood, including editing scripts and blocking critical movies from ever being made, have been unearthed, indicating U.S. officials have covertly helped produce at least 800 major movies and 1,000 television shows since 1910. The files were uncovered by Tom Secker, an independent researcher, and Dr. Matthew Alford, a teaching fellow at the University of Bath, after diligent trawling of over 4,000 U.S. military and intelligence documents obtained under the Freedom of Information Act. They form the basis of the duo's book, National Security Cinema. Among the trove are office diary reports from assorted military entertainment liaison offices, documents from the Department of Defense and Central Intelligence Agency on changes made to film scripts, production assistance agreements signed between military officials and film producers, and internal government communications about the entertainment industry. It may not be entirely surprising that the U.S. government seeks to influence films and TV. After all, the power of media to shape public perceptions of major contemporary issues and historical events is well documented. And it's no secret U.S. government agencies operate entertainment liaison offices connecting entertainment industry professionals with department officials. However, the publicly purveyed image of these offices, small operations, assisting actors, authors, directors, producers, and screenwriters upon request with minimal input on media projects beyond ensuring authenticity and accurate portrayal of agencies in the media, could not be further from the truth. Moreover, previous estimates of how many projects the U.S. government has assisted were woefully inadequate, to say the least. 
Messrs. Secker and Alford were shocked by the scale of what they discovered and what the U.S. security establishment's combined efforts have produced. Because I was already more aware of World War II's secret weapon, propaganda in film, I won't read this one, but I'll just let you see that it's here and you can read it later. This is from Wikipedia regarding the role of the film industry during and after World War II. The United States had the largest film industry of any of the Allied powers, and its use for propaganda purposes is legendary. Because it was so big, there was no single governmental or semi-governmental agency that centrally controlled it. Instead, the Office of War Information coordinated efforts among many entities to produce propaganda. OCIAA, Office of the Coordinator of Inter-American Affairs, OEM, Office for Emergency Management, OSS, which became the CIA, Office of Strategic Services, USAAF, United States Army Air Forces, USASC, U.S. Army Signal Corps, USASSD, U.S. Army Special Service Division, USDA, United States Department of Agriculture, USDT, United States Department of Treasury, USN, United States Navy, USDW, United States Department of War, WACMPI, War Activities Committee of the Motion Pictures Industry. While you may not have thought of the USDA as a propaganda tool, this list shows otherwise. So this sort of spelunking led me to the question, what role has the CIA played in the current US election? As I've already detailed connections with Hollywood talent agencies, I won't go into that here. Although the hat I'm wearing isn't made of tinfoil, former President Obama's wading into things yesterday made me scratch my head in wonder. And you may wonder at my incredulity, but after what happened yesterday, even I was impressed. I've been tracking for months Obama's influence on the current election cycle, but yesterday's blatant intervention just seemed to be too coordinated to go without examination. This is a condensed, albeit meticulously researched, version of what's going on in politics here and abroad. It is settled fact that the CIA has an office in Hollywood and has worked directly with filmmakers to propagandize the American people over many years. It also is settled fact that the U.S. has intervened in politics here and abroad for many years. For Christ's sake, the CIA has routinely killed people, many of them innocent civilians, to promote the interests of the ruling class, multinational corporations, of the U.S. and its allies. This is not some crazy conspiracy theory. It also is true that the governments of other countries have operated similarly over the years. Predictably, some governments have worked consistently to push politics to the left, and others have sought to resist those efforts and make the world safer for capitalism. While one may argue that capitalism is merely one way to harness the productivity of workers and then skim off whatever portion of that productivity is desired and put it into the pockets of the corporate masters, one also may argue, as Orwell seems to do in Animal Farm, that the act of organizing workers to overthrow their oppressive owners and then leading them to seize the means of their own productivity simply will lead to new assholes taking the place of the old assholes and ruling with even more brutal authority than before. I don't have a solid rebuttal to either contention, but even so, I'm hopeful that democracy will not merely be a brief failed experiment in world history. Even though most of my audience probably leans left, I have a few dear viewers and listeners who are populists from the other side of the political aisle. I've confessed to them that my own political tendencies probably would lean toward rugged individualism. I don't naturally want to meddle in other people's affairs as so many liberals are wont to do 
If it weren't for the painful realization that we workers will never be able to throw off the yoke of our oppressors without working together. Many of my righty friends agree with this idea and even seem at least partially disposed to joining me on the radical fringes of the left. Some of these are truck drivers to help foment crippling labor strikes and other forms of protest. It's not easy, however, under the onslaught of the current propaganda machine to keep straight who our real enemies are. It won't help if we rise in solidarity, but then are unable to locate and dismantle the forces that truly are responsible for our oppression. In my book, the true enemies are those who would rather treat us like animals on a farm than allow any sort of democratic rule to take hold. Even though leftist efforts from the past have been commandeered and steered toward authoritarianism, which is the opposite pole from my own leanings, I still believe that a government must take its primary direction from regular people and not from the few who have figured out how to purchase boardwalk and park place on the monopoly board and thus control everyone else. In short, I believe in democracy and a government that operates on behalf of we the people. Neither capitalism nor communism, at least in any of their previous or current forms, seem capable of such a feat. The last few paragraphs of this piece are intended to help listeners and viewers form a hypothetical framework that might help make sense of the seemingly nonsensical events we've witnessed in this and in previous election cycles. The flow of information is the key strength and also potential Achilles heel in the battle for dominance slash liberation. The CIA has worked actively to promote the idea that regular people should resort to a knee-jerk dismissal of conspiracy type information. Therefore, it will take time to undo that sort of brainwashing and bring people to new information with an open mind. If the careerists in the CIA believe themselves to be working on behalf of we the people, they must then acknowledge that the CIA has a long history of killing black and brown people, including U.S. citizens, who stand in the way of white supremacy. And it is not a mitigating factor that the first black president has been doing their bidding. Using a black president to further the goals of international white supremacy is a hideous crime that should not be covered up. Every culpable person should be held to account. The people who seem currently to be calling the shots, the most visible being Obama, apparently are accepting of Donald Trump as president because otherwise, based on history, he wouldn't still be here. It's ridiculous to assume that the CIA would be so willing to erase people around the world whom they feel are a threat to their objectives without being equally willing to erase U.S. citizens, particularly if they are inconvenient presidents or whistleblowers. On the other hand, based on recent developments, it's clear that Bernie Sanders is perceived to be a much bigger threat to the military intelligence complex than is either Biden or Trump. It follows then that keeping Bernie away from power has been the primary objective of the military industrial complex all along. So assuming that the CIA has just informed Bernie that they won't now be killing him or harming his family, the US electorate can now assume that they will be voting again for a CIA approved candidate. Unless voters are old enough to have voted for JFK, voting for a CIA-approved candidate is something that we all have always done and, unless an actual rebellion gets started, something that we all will continue to do. If you believe that the CIA is working on behalf of we the people, all is well. If, however, you believe that the CIA has served as a tool of the world's owners, maliciously wielded to subjugate working-class people, then it's time to stand up and do something about it. 